You're listening to the Harris Beach Podcast, a show that explores evolving issues in the law and how they shape organizations, the way business is conducted, and how we live and work. The information provided in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all information, content, and materials are for general informational purposes only. Thanks for listening. Here's today's host. Hello, my name is Melissa Feederson from Harris Beach, and I'm your host for today's episode, which will explore the problem of fraud in its various forms and how companies can protect themselves. I'm joined here in Rochester by Don Russell, our Director of Compliance and Risk Management, and Ross Hoffer, an attorney on our cybersecurity and financial institutions teams, is joining our studio from Harris Beach's New York City office. Welcome to Don and Ross. So let's start uh, with exploring whether cyber criminals are finding new ways or better ways to perpetrate scams and fraud. When you say scams, we should talk about the three categories, phishing, vishing, and smishing. So scams are often perpetrated through email, and we all know that as phishing. But we also get phone calls or vishing And sometimes we even get texts and we would call that smishing. So all of those types of media, we need to be aware of that we can receive scams. Ross, how about you? I would say that uh, that the trend right now in any of these scams is really the level of sophistication that the cyber criminals are coming with. And, and by that, I mean, if it was five, 10 years ago, the most common scams were very far-fetched situation that, that most people recognize as a scam. The Nigerian prince scams are, are, are the ones that, that come to mind immediately. But nowadays, cyber criminals are scouring the internet, looking through social media, looking through a, a company's website, and really uh, personalizing the attack, or hopefully the attempted attack. We see this when it comes to law firms, cyber criminal is posing as a new client and targeting law firms, business development groups, or you know attorneys who, who are looking for new matters. Uh, but when it comes to a business, it, it can be targeting a sales team, it can be targeting an accounting group, it can be uh, targeting just about anyone. And, and these days, a lot of that information is, is easier to find on the internet. So you can look up a particular business and, and know not only uh, what it is that they, that they sell the product or service, but also know the market that they're operating in and, and a cyber criminal can deduce from that uh, who's going to be the juiciest potential customer for uh, that company and, and who would, you know, who would the company most likely respond to. So it's, it's really a level of sophistication these days that fool a lot of people. So are there any red flags or other clues that something that seems plausible and legitimate really is not? One thing you want to look at is the domain name. So many times these are impersonation emails and they will display the name of someone who is familiar to you in your organization. But if you take a closer look at the domain name, you'll see that it's often, um, it's not something that will, that matches the organization. But I do think you need to be careful with that because if 
a bad actor does get access to somebody's mailbox, the domain name can be correct because it is actually be, being sent out of the mailbox of the person. I think that people who receive emails in particular, but also phone calls or, or text messages, need to, to be aware of the context. Just yesterday or, or two days ago, I got an email from somebody who was posing as a, as a prospective client uh, asking if Harris Beach as a law firm does litigation work. Well, of course we do litigation work, and anyone who's spent any time on our website uh, would, would know that we did litigation work. Similarly, uh, most law firms have a litigation practice. So it, it was one of those things that was just a question that had such a readily uh, available answer to it that that raised the red flag to me. Because I, I knew that the next step would have been, okay, great. Now that you do litigation work, here's a link where you can access some documents uh, about my litigation matter. And so, you know, it was one of those things that that did raise a red flag for me. And, and so I, I would recommend that people look at the context, verify wherever possible using a second method. So if if you get a, an email from from a correct domain name even, then find the phone number for them. You may get a, an email from Chase Bank about your credit card and you do have a credit card with Chase Bank. Well, call the number on your card and confirm that this is the right, that they're calling you for a proper purpose, that they're emailing you for a proper purpose, that they're text messaging you for a proper purpose. If there's fraud, then these companies will be reaching out to you. But, uh, you know, it, it's very common for companies to be reaching out to you saying that they're following up on, on a fraud investigation when there, there's nothing. Can you share an example you might have come across that might illustrate some of these things, either something actual or hypothetical? Scams have, have become somewhat sophisticated, but there's also the unsophisticated scams. Every year between January and, and April, people are getting calls uh, from accountants posing, you know, to have to, to be calling them about tax issues, calls from the IRS. I've known people who have gotten calls from uh, border agents saying that they're calling on behalf of somebody who is, who is stuck at the border. There are all sorts of scams that come up, uh, and you know we've seen a lot of them, but they, they really range. And, and these days, the, the scams are, are more and more specific to the recipient. They're really becoming uh, tailored. In, in a way that they never were before. And I think one of the big differences between scams that we were seeing, you know, 10, even five years ago, many times it was just take a shot. There was nothing specific in the scams today. We're seeing more and more often that they're totally plausible. So Ross mentioned the email that he received asking uh, whether or not we do litigation services. These people are going out there doing research and then uh, targeting not necessarily a specific person or even a specific organization, but an industry. So they're still using the buckshot method, but they're focusing on a particular industry or something that makes that group unique. So we mentioned some measures companies can take to avoid being victims. 
Should they have formal policies uh, adopted, maybe tailored to different levels of information or just general kind of proactive training or procedures in place? Well, I I think every organization is going to be different. You really need to do a risk assessment and understand where the gaps are or, or where your organization might be most vulnerable and then tailor that information security and let's not forget privacy as well tailor those programs to the needs of the organization. Um, There's always, of course, the traditional technical controls that we all know about, firewalls, mail hygiene products, web filters, encryption, of course, and of course, physical protections. We're all very familiar and understand those. One of the areas that I think people don't think about often is administrative controls, and one specifically is the education of employees. So the weakest link, and we're talking about phishing, and the way a bad actor gets in through phishing is by fooling someone. They're very good at it, but if we can provide more education to the individuals within our organizations and have a formal policy procedure and training program, that's going to help cut down on the risk related to phishing scams that we're seeing. I agree. I, I think that education is is extremely important on this. I, I think that when we do trainings for our clients, they, they are very effective. And I know that the training that we do internally that, that's mostly led by Dawn uh, is extremely impactful. I mean, it, it's one of those things that people need to be constantly reminded of. But beyond the, the training, I, I think that, that there are uh, proper protocols and, and policies that can be put in place. As Dawn had mentioned, you know, it, it's very uh, specific to each business and, and the business's uh, risks and what they're facing here. For instance, um, an accounting department should generally have some threshold for a second layer of approval before writing a check or um, or sending out a wire transfer or something like that, because bad actors can come in and and impersonate uh, somebody with authority to to be saying, "Well, send a payment to this bank account, send you know, send the wire transfer, particularly to to this bank account." Well. An accounting department should either have have protocols in place for all uh, transactions, depending on their risk, or for a certain dollar threshold to to escalate that to a supervisor to require that before initiating a, a wire transfer, a phone call needs to be made to to verify or some other control. And again, I mean, these are going to be very specific to to each business but just some, some general measures that, that people can put in place. One thing that, that we found to be very effective is having the capability for someone in, in IT to be able to open documents, click on links, uh, really uh, do any of these things that, that have a red flag associated with them on a computer that is not connected to the organization's network. And this this way, if there is a virus, if there is uh, some sort of, of hacking attempt, that is not going to get past 
that individual machine. It, it's never going to make its way onto the larger network the way that an individual that's on the network clicking on a link would give a bad actor access. Ross brings up a good point. There are more products on the market that aren't the traditional technical safety uh, protections that we put in place. And one really good example of that is the newer antivirus malware products that are out there. Most of them are heuristic. And so they learn the habits of the person in the organization. And really all organizations should be looking at those, uh, the newer products that are out there, those types of methods where we can protect ourselves. So is there anything that I missed or didn't bring up that you'd like to explore? I think one thing that uh, people should remember going back to the scams and dealing with those, always trust but verify. If something doesn't feel right, you should stop. You know, and I always say to people in the training class, if it's too good to be true or it's too bad to be true, you should really stop and, and take a closer look. I agree with that. And I, I think it's about uh, ensuring that employees are, are vigilant and and looking out for these scams and, and knowing that that there are these bad actors out there. And so, you know, that that's why the training is, is so important. But it, it also needs to be reinforced. And, and so um, people can't be expected to to just know it as a matter of common sense that that there are these bad actors out there. It needs to be uh, told to them in informal training and then followed up. And then it could be followed up with uh, monthly reminders from IT uh, to stay you know, vigilant and then to keep an eye out for, for scams. Or it could be followed up when, when there's a specific uh, incident or something that, that comes up that's reported in the news about Hey guys, just so you know, uh, keep an eye out for uh, these types of emails. They, you know, they they could pose a threat to our, our organization. And and I do think it's important for organizations to constantly be doing risk assessments. So these threats are evolving and emerging so quickly that it's almost impossible to react to them. So if we're constantly doing risk assessments, as Ross said, what's going on in the news, make sure that uh, the folks in your company are aware of that. Are there new risks to your organization? Is there some sort of new virus that's out there that's affecting organizations? But it's really about constantly doing risk assessments, understanding what the risk to the company is, and then addressing that risk appropriately. Thank you, Ross and Don, for joining us today. Thank you. To our listeners and subscribers, thank you for tuning in. You can learn more about our capabilities related to cybersecurity by visiting our website, harrisbeach.com. Thanks for listening to the Harris Beach Podcast. Be sure to visit harrisbeach.com to join the conversation and access show notes. Please rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcast.